Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What up, homie? I'm so excited to be back with you for another Instagram Live Q&A episode packed with women-to-women thoughts and insights for how we show up to be a confident badass. Now, every Thursday, I go live on my Instagram at Lisa Billu at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to hang out with you guys, my homies, and answer any question you have. And today's episode is particularly fun as we get into rude co-workers, boundaries and routines that make hitting your goals fail-proof. We roll into this episode talking about friends with benefits. Is the benefit your priority or is the friendship? Can you actually enjoy the perks with no downside? We also talk about my response to beautiful women flirting and throwing themselves at my husband. This one honestly took me some work, but jealousy never looked good on me or on anyone. So I break down how I actually overcame it. And finally, I give you my number one tip for finding your life partner and making sure they have the single most important trait that nearly, nearly guarantees a relationship that can stand the test of time. All right, my homie, I really do enjoy bringing you as much value as possible. Women of Impact is for women just like you. So please do rate and review and let me know how this podcast is at actually helping you live your best freaking life drop a comment right now what up everyone where are you joining from how's everyone doing let me know where you're joining from grabbing my coffee it's like one minute late today couldn't figure out how to make my chair lower (laughs) you know the really difficult things about running a business um what up terry how's it going what up seni hopefully i'm pronouncing your name right there from Norway. What up, Norway? I haven't been to Norway before. Um, so guys, I am here to answer your questions. So there's a little question, uh, question mark at the bottom of your screen, if you are looking at the, your phone. Um, and you can just type in your question in there and I'm here to answer anything, anything confidence. If you want something to do with relationships, oh, there's a Londoner in the house. What up? Um, yeah, if you, if you have any questions, I'm here. Let's have a look to see if anyone's actually New York City, one of my favorite cities in the world. That is, um, okay. Let's see if anyone's got a question. No questions yet. So I'm just going to Southgate, London. What up, Sarah? I don't know if you know that I'm from Southgate, Sarah. I'm from Southgate, London, North London. My homie, me and you though. What up, San Diego? Good morning from Rose, Rosarito, Mexico. Aloha. From Italy. Oh my God. Louise and Nicola in the house. This is my fellow Cypriot. What up, girl? How's it going? Um, okay. And my mum's in the house. Oh, so I'm here to answer questions, guys. Drop your questions in the bottom. I am here to answer them. No question. Oh, we got some questions. Lovely. Um, oh, okay. Uh, let's have a look here. I like to, 
I like to just throw myself in the deep end and answer questions that I've never really been asked before. Have you had a friends with benefits experience with a close friend? How did it go? Now, I'm assuming this question, Isabella, when you say friends with benefits, that it's a guy that you're or a partner that maybe you're having a sexual experience with. Um, I have been married for 21 years and been with my husband for 23. So it's been a while. Um, and so how did it go? I was very young. I wasn't very good at um, managing it. And I think if I was to just, let me just put myself in a position now, that if I wasn't married and I had a friend with benefits, um, as you like to say, that's a close friend, I don't know how that would work. Because at some point, I'm going to assume that one of you actually wants a relationship maybe not with each other but some of you does or one of you may want to have you spoken about that what happens how does the dynamic change between the both of you when now all of a sudden maybe you found someone you actually want to spend the rest of your life with how are you going to be able to navigate that friendship and I don't know if it's actually true but the way that I kind of think and other things I've heard is there's usually one person that's actually more into you uh, more into the person than the other that never creates a healthy dynamic because with friendships, I really believe with friendships, it's 50-50. As a friend, I'm going to show up for you when you need me. And as a friend, when I need you, you're going to show up for me. Now, in a romantic relationship or when you've got the benefit side of things, if it is 50-50, then amazing. If you guys have spoken through it, I just, I don't personally see how that could actually work um, because also to me, when I look for a future partner, or if I was to look for a future partner, it would be the intimacy, it would be the vulnerability, it would be me sharing something with them that I've never shared with anybody else. Now look, if you're just like, I'm having fun, and they're really hot, and I'm enjoying the sex, as long as you're communicating, everything comes down to whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship, are you guys communicating, and are you guys a thousand percent on the same page? If you Can you be honest with each other about all of that? So unless... If you have, and you guys are totally on the same page, and you've communicated everything that you need to communicate, and you guys have gone through every scenario that if one of you falls for somebody else, or what if you, one of you falls for the other person, how are you going to navigate it? And also, then the last thing I will add is, what is your North Star? Is the most important thing your friendship, or getting a bit of the side piece? Because if it's getting the side piece, continue. If it's actually your friendship, then I would actually advise that unless it's going to end up to be something more serious, you're probably better just staying friends. Sorry, I don't know if that was the, the answer you were hoping for. Um, okay, guys, if you are if you have any questions, I'm answering questions, so just put them, drop them in below. And I'm here to help anyone build confidence, whether it's within themselves or in a relationship or in business. Um, I'm here to answer your questions. Um. All right, so this isn't a question in the sticker box, but it's such an interesting question that I really want to read out loud. How do you deal with jealousy of women flirting with your husband? I'll repeat that. How do you deal? This is from Emmanuel. Thank you so much for the... Emmanuela, sorry. Thank you so much for this question. How do I deal with jealousy of women flirting with your husband? Okay, so I'm going to take you back into early Quest days where we were building Quest and Quest was getting very su successful. And so now as Quest is getting very successful, there's a lot more fitness people that want to be involved. And as there's a lot more fitness people that want to be involved, there's a lot of more women in the fitness industry that want to be involved. As the, the company gets even more successful, now what they see is a, I think, a very handsome man, who's my husband. Um, so handsome, very smart, very driven, very ambitious. And now add to that, he's got money, 
right? Add to that, he's actually more successful. And so I started to get very insecure with myself. And what I realized was this wasn't a him thing. He could be the most wealthiest person in the world, the most handsome person in the world. If I don't feel secure in myself, I'm not going to be able to set boundaries. I'm not going to be able to articulate to him what I think flies and what doesn't fly. And so what I realized was this isn't a him thing. I either trust my husband, I either trust him wholeheartedly to the point where if he was put in a situation where he was in a um, in a room, let's say he goes and does an interview and he's put in a green room and there's a naked, and I'm not there, and there's a naked woman waiting for him and he knows there's no way I'm going to find out. Do I trust that he's going to do it or not? That So that's the one piece. Do I trust him? that if he's put in that situation, that he's going to do it. Because trust me, I am not blind to think I'm the most beautiful person in the world, the most smartest person in the world, the funniest person in the world. I like to believe I am. I just know better. So of course, there's going to be other women that are smarter than me, prettier than me, funnier than me. And so how do I deal with my own security and how I feel about myself to make sure that my jealousy doesn't actually spill? Because there's one thing to be triggered, and there's another thing to then allow that to in, uh, interfere with your relationship. So A, do you trust your partner that no matter what happens, if they're put in a situation, do they show up or do they end up succumbing to the sexual, uh, uh, the, the sexual situation or do they not? That is going to be so damn important. Now, if the answer is no, I don't trust them, then that's what you've got to talk through. Why don't you trust them? What have they done? in your relationship to show that you cannot trust them. Then you address that. So then the second part, like I said, is how do I feel about myself? As Quest was growing, as more women were flirting with my husband, because now he's the found, the co-founder of a billion dollar company. He's a good looking guy and he's fairly young. So I had to go, why am I being triggered? Oh, it's because I don't feel secure in myself. Well, why don't you feel secure in yourself, Lisa? Well, I run the shipping department. I'm in a hairnet all day. I don't really bother putting makeup on. I don't feel good. Well, that's step number one. Step number one is how do I feel so damn good in myself? How do I build my confidence? So that if, God forbid, my husband ends up breaking my trust, because I'm not oblivious to that either. Of course he can break my trust. But if he did, would it break me? If he did, do I think that that's about me? Or do I think that's about him? It's about him because if I've built my self-esteem and he succumbs to a sexual, um, some woman coming on to him, that's a him thing. That's the fact that he is unable to control his sexual desire. He is unable to be trustworthy. But you better believe I've already built the confidence in myself to think that if that ever happens, I can actually work through it. And then you're very welcome, homie. And then the last piece I would just say is talk to them. The one thing that I said to my husband is, I'm being triggered right now. I know that this is a me thing, but I'm really triggered. And so I need to just talk through it with you. Why am I triggered? I got bullied as a kid. I did have many boyfriends. Like, talk to your partner about it. If you're just throwing them at like, you did this and I can't believe you text that woman. You're going to come at each other. But if you can be honest, and again, you have to have the right partner that can meet your honesty. If they're like, well, that's ridiculous, then now you have to address why are they dismissing you? And then the outcome is a whole, whole other can of worms. 
Okay, so guys, I'm answering questions. Do you want to put it in the sticker box? Because some people join and they have no context over what I'm saying. So if you've got, that was a really fire question. So if you can just drop it in the question box below, that way I can pop it up. That would be amazing. All right, let's pull up some other questions, shall we? This is from Senny. What keeps you motivated to do what you do? This goes for anybody. It doesn't have to be someone that does a YouTube channel or runs a business, but you have to know your why. And you have to know your mission of why you show up every day. Because trust me, guys, there are moments where you feel bad about yourself. There are moments, if you're female, your hormones are very real. You go through a 28-day cycle. You cannot ignore that. There are times that you're going to be feel confident, that you can crush it. And there's other times where things may be going well and you're like, this really sucks. Why the hell am I doing this? So motivation is an ebb and a flow. It isn't a full-time thing. It isn't you, you find motivation in something and now you're good to go. Give yourself the grace that you're going to have the days where you don't feel motivated at all. So how do you keep propelling yourself to move forward? That's the key. How do you keep moving forward on the days that you don't feel motivated? So that becomes a mission. Now, your mission has to tie to your heartstrings. It has to be when you're lying in bed and you feel bad and the negative voice is going in your head about, you shouldn't do that. Oh my God, see how you failed. See, I told you you weren't good enough. How do you get out of bed and still move towards that goal? Still move towards that dream? It's your mission. Now, your mission needs three things. Your what, your who, and your why. I'm going to say that again. Your what, your who, and your why. You need to know that so that every time you feel badly, every time you don't feel motivated, you go back to your mission. Now, your mission should be a statement that is very short and succinct. Because in those days, in those moments that you don't feel motivated, you need to repeat your mission in your head. So my mission is I want to create content that impacts 14-year-old girls to build their confidence so they don't have to unwire it for 20 years like I've had to. Boom, shakalaka, boom, shakalaka, right? I've practiced that, guys. I've practiced my who, my what, my why. And so in moments where I don't feel great, in moments where maybe shit's hitting the fan and I've, you know, uh, someone's not doing their job right or I've failed or I've hit a brick wall, I remind myself, Lisa, you're, you're here to create content to impact 14-year-old girls so they feel confident enough Um, So they have the confidence that you didn't have. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash 
Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. So now when I don't feel motivated, so now when I feel like I've, you know, fell to my knees, if you will, I say to myself, Lisa, you owe it to that 14-year-old girl. That pulls at my heartstrings. Why? Because at 14, I didn't have confidence. So the who is the 14-year-old girl. The what? Building content. The why is because I felt like I didn't have the confidence and I don't want another young girl out there to have to spend 20 years unwiring that negative mindset. So you have to start with your mission statement. You have to know why you freaking show up every day and do what you do. And let me tell you, if it's money, you're already dead in the water. If it's for the accolades, you're dead in the water. So you have to build your own validation so that you can keep showing up when that voice tells you you're no good and then you have your mission statement to pull you through. Okay. Um, Noelle, my girl Noelle's in the house. What up, Noelle? Sorry, I get excited when I see people that I know. Um, All right, next question. Let's keep going. Um, All right. This is from Isabella. Is, that the, is this the same Isabella? I th- I'm not sure if it is, but I hope you got great questions. Um, okay, do you have any tips on finding a good life partner? Yes. Yes, I do. So my number one tip, number one tip, guys. I think this is the most important thing that you need to find in a partner is do they have a growth mindset? Now, people say it's communication. I actually don't think it is. I think it's finding someone that has a growth mindset. Now, what do I mean by that? It's somebody that you can go with and say to them, hey, when you did this, it didn't feel good. Now, someone with a growth mindset is open to communicating why that didn't feel good. If you go to somebody and say, I love you so much, or if you've got a good, uh, if you're finding this life partner, can they talk through the hard things? Can they say the hard things? Can you communicate the hard things? The only thing that I have come down to, like literally I've pieced this apart. I'm like, what's the secret? What's the secret? It really is. Do they have a growth mindset? Because all the problem, like think about me and Tom. Tom and I have been together for 23 years, guys. It isn't the fact that we got lucky. 
It was the fact that we both want our relationship to work and we're willing to have the hard discussion to communicate and get through it. That means that we have a growth mindset to hear the freaking hard things. So when I told my husband, for instance, I was a stay-at-home wife for eight years. I was cooking and I was cleaning for him. Now I turn around to him and I say, babe, I love you more than life itself. I really, really do. But I hate cleaning for you and I hate cooking for you. It doesn't make me happy. Now, someone with an outer growth mindset may be like, hang on a minute, that doesn't fly. We've been married. You said you wanted four children. You, you cook and clean for the last eight years and now you're switching it up on me? Someone with a growth, without a growth mindset may respond like that. But because my husband has a growth mindset, he turned around and he said, let's talk about it. What's making you unhappy? What's making you happy? Now, how do we navigate this trans, the, the transition for being a stay-at-home wife to now I want to be your business partner? Let's talk through it. Let's talk about all the ugliness that people want to sweep under the rug. We're going to talk through it. So number one, what is your concern? He said, well, let's face it. My life is much easier if you cook and clean for me. It isn't a dismissal to me, but he was just honest. If I didn't have a growth mindset, now my response would be like, oh, so all you want to do is for me is to cook and clean for you? But I have a growth mindset. So we talk through it. That's just one little example of how if you didn't have a growth mindset, me and my husband won't be together for 23 years. We would have been together for eight years. And then me transitioning, he would have been like, no, this doesn't work for me. Don't want to hear it. I married a wife that wants to have four children and that's that. So as you start to look for your life partner, I urge everybody here to literally ask the questions that um, that will reveal whether that person has a growth mindset or not, because you're going to find the bumps. You're going to find the hurdles. You are going to change, my friend, Isabella. You are going to change. Hopefully, if you have a growth mindset, the person you are today is not the person you want to be in five years. If you have a growth mindset, you want to get better. So now imagine you are not the same person that you are. I'm not the same person I was when I met my husband 23 years ago. So how do we have such great relationship? Because we've got a growth mindset, we talk through it. Because as I change, we talk through it. As he changes, we talk through it. We say all the freaking hard things. We have all the hard conversations. That is how we've been able to sustain a happy 23-year relationship. Because I don't just think about the years. It has to be happy in that in, over those years. So great freaking question. Everyone loved that question. Guys, throw more questions in. I love answering them. I'm here answering your questions live. I want to be here and serve you guys as much as possible. Also, your questions allow me to actually know what are the things that you guys are really struggling with. Um, so this will really help. Okay. I'm 60, four grown kids. My dating life is not great. Any advice? Um, I am going to project a little, so please know that I don't know your story. I'm just taking this question for what it is. I'm going to bet that you have spent most of your life bringing up your family. I'm going to guess that you've spent a lot of your years showing up for them. So I would actually say before you start freaking dating, homie, find out who you are. Find out what drives you. Find out what makes you excited. Find out what that thing that makes your heart beat. Start there because then that will dictate the type of person that you're then looking for. Because if you've poured all of your time and energy into somebody else, what may happen, and I've sadly seen this and I've just done enough interviews with therapists to know, you may then get into a relationship and try and serve them again. But do you actually know who you are? And maybe you do. Again, I'm just projecting. 
But these are the things that when we go into the dating world, you have to be so damn clear about who you are and what you're looking for, what your negotiables are and what your non-negotiables are. What are you not willing to have to take from somebody? If you don't know who you are, you don't necessarily know what boundaries you may need to set. And once you have those boundaries, then you go and start dating because then you can start to um, assess who actually is accurate for the life you want. So hopefully that helped. All right. Um, okay, going to the next question. All right. What do you do to stop fear-based thinking? Um, I accept that that is part of me. I don't try to shut it down anymore. I just let the spirit, the, the fear speak. So perfect example is I never was wanted to go on stage. And I said my mission, I said, I really want to impact women. And I kept saying no to all these public speaking gigs. And my husband just called me on it. He said, babe, your mission is this, but you, you don't align with because you keep saying no to these speaking gigs. If you actually want to impact women and you get the opportunity to speak in front of 10,000 women, why are you saying no? And I was like, oh, it's because I'm, I'm scared. And I realized that I wasn't actually living in integrity. And I just uh, heard this uh, definition of integrity, which I freaking love. It's when your thoughts and the words and your actions all align. So I was saying that I wanted to impact women, but my actions weren't aligned with it. So I just called myself out. Thank you. Thanks to my husband, I then realized I was, wasn't in alignment. So I said, okay, why am I not going on stage? It's because I'm fearful. What are you fearful of, Lisa? I'm fear that, fearful that someone's going to laugh at me. I'm fearful that I'm going to make a mistake. Okay, cool. These are very valid fears. Write them down. And now think of this like a business. How are you going to rebut it? How are you not going to let this stop you? So if the fear is, oh my God, I'm worried I'm going to freeze on stage. Cool. That's a very valid fear. And I may freeze on stage. So what's, how are you going to combat that? Come up with an actual strategy that allows you to combat the fear. So you don't let it hold you back. But that goes back to my uh, question I answered earlier is you have to know your mission. Because if you know your mission, then you can combat your fear with the mission. But if you're just like, I've told myself I want to do this, but I'm so scared, you have to know your why. Without that, you're not going to be able to do all the work that I just said of how you then combat your fear. Okay, next question. All right, how do you learn to love yourself? I don't think, I may be a little controversial here, but I'm just going to say it because this is what I really believe. I don't think I have to always love myself. I have to respect myself. But I don't know why I'd, that, because sometimes showing yourself respect is super important, even when to your knees. But I realize that my emotions take over sometimes. And I realize that my emotions, I actually don't like myself sometimes. And that's okay as long as I always respect myself. Now, when I say that that's okay, I have to process. I have to give myself the grace. I have to give myself the grace to fail and feel bad about myself. I have to give myself the grace to mess up and then realize, call myself on that. Now, when I call myself on it, you better believe I don't love myself for it. I'm actually giving myself a freaking hard time, but I still respect me. I still respect myself. And so I think the messaging is getting a little convoluted in social media where they're like, love yourself. No, it doesn't matter what else. Love yourself. It's very hard to love yourself when you don't feel great, right? It's very hard to love yourself when you mess up. It's very hard to love yourself when you just, you, you act in, in, in a way that you're embarrassed about. Let's just say you, you have an emotional react, reaction to something. And the next day you're like, I'm a little embarrassed when I did that or said that. You better believe in that moment I don't love myself. And I think that what ends up happening is we so live in a culture that we think we have to love ourselves, that we start shaming ourselves, that we don't love ourselves. Huh? Get, get that one, right? We start shaming ourselves because we don't 
love ourselves. Well, the shaming doesn't help either, people. So as long as you can respect yourself, as long as you can always stay in mind in respecting yourself that when you fall to your knees, when you mess up, I respect myself enough to make sure that I get back up. I respect myself enough to call myself on it and say, Lisa, that shit doesn't fly. I respect myself enough to want to improve. So that may not have been the answer that you were hoping for, but I actually find that way more empowering. Um, and Tina just said, that's a vicious cycle. Yes, it becomes a vicious cycle, homie. Exactly. Um, all right, here we go. Um, this is from Lena. If you, uh, if I want to accomplish my goals, I must have routines, right? How to be more routine oriented. Yes. I personally am a massive fan of routines. Why? Because Steve Jobs, the reason why he always wore black t-shirts and black sweaters and then just jeans is he understood he can only make a certain amount of decisions in a day with utter clarity. Now, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm sure somebody here may have the actual uh, data on neuroscience, but it's actually true. You cannot make, uh, you cannot make clear decisions I can't remember how many, but it's, let's just make up a number for this sake. Let's just say you can make 20. Okay. So now if you know, you can only make 20 decisions in a day with utter clarity. Do you want to spend that five of them trying to decide what to wear, what to eat, uh, what you do when you wake up? Or do you want to have habits and routines that set you up for success so that when you're put in a situation that you've got 20 very important decisions to make based on your goals, that you can make them without clarity. So that's why I just want to like give that foundation of why having routines is so damn important. That's how I see routines is I don't want to freaking have to think about what I'm going to eat. I don't want to have to think about why my tummy hurts. I've already figured that out. I've got my supplements. I've got my supplements in my little baggie that it becomes a routine. Every time I go to eat my breakfast, I grab my little baggie of supplements and I just go in perpetual motion. Why? Because once I've done that, when I sit down with you guys, I can focus. So that's why having a routine is so damn important. Now, how do you build a routine? It's going to have to be stepping stones. It's going to have to be one thing at a time. What, are, what is something that maybe you want to change? What's a habit that maybe you want to evolve? Take that one thing and then come up with little incremental steps of how you're going to do it. So let's say, for instance, you guys all know, I'm sure by now, if you've been following me, how important health is, how important things like the, your nutrition is, whether you move, do you exercise, all of that is so important of how I show up and build my confidence and how I've been able to navigate my emotions as my hormones. Diet and exercise. Okay, now I know that. Maybe I've never stepped in a gym before. Well, I wouldn't say, well, you've better freaking build a habit to go to the gym. No, no, it's not going to be that easy. What you do is you say, my goal over the next 30 days is to go into the gym. Great. What are those microscopic little stepping stones you can do to make sure that by 30 days, you're now, let's say, going to the gym. So step number one, and I'll write this down because I can get very overwhelmed and I could get very excited about things. So having a cheat sheet where you've sat down and written it out is going to be step number one because that's going to help you progress to that to that habit. Number two, it's be small in your steps. Maybe the first day is just get trainers or sneakers or a nice pair of Lulus that you can wear to the gym. Step number two is I'm going to figure out what I'm going to drink or what I'm going to eat before I work out. Maybe I don't work out or maybe I don't drink or eat. That's in step number two. Step number three is I'm going to go suss a bunch of gyms in my area. You haven't even stepped foot in the gym yet. 
You're just doing these incremental steps because what happens is, guys, we have this big goal. I'm going to go to the gym every day now. And what happens is you make this big goal that takes you from zero to 100. You may do it for one day. You may even do it for a week. But what happens is because you haven't done the stepping stones, you're going to then potentially stop doing that. And then someone, uh, the lady said it earlier, you get in this cycle of then you're going to beat yourself up. You're going to shame yourself for not sticking to your routine. And now you're in a cycle and your habit is to beat yourself up, not to actually do the thing that you want to do. So that is how you slowly, incrementally build those stepping stones to create a routine that then becomes a habit that then you don't think about. Like, I literally don't think about what I do in the morning. I get in perpetual motion. I wake up, I walk over to my decaf coffee now, but I walk over to the coffee machine, I pet Wookie, I give Tom a kiss. I drink my coffee. I sometimes go on Instagram because if I'm feeling a little creative, I'm like, oh, I'm what are those juices following. But otherwise, I'm already dressed. I literally, the night before, in fact, I can't believe I didn't even start with this. The night before, I get my gym clothes and I put them next to my bed. Why? Because I don't want to think about what I'm wearing in the morning. I may get derailed. So I literally wake up, climb out of bed, and I just stumble and put my clothes on. That's how you build the routine to make sure that you keep sticking to it. Okay, let's see if we've got time for one more question. (laughs) Um, This was an interesting random question enough. So this is from Suzanne. How do you deal with coworkers you don't like and are rude to others? Okay, so because I own my own business, I want to make sure that I actually answer it from a coworker standpoint and not a boss standpoint. So one thing I would say is, you can encourage your friend or the other coworker to stand up for themselves. But I'm just going to be honest. You can't force someone to put up boundaries. Now, if they're rude to you, that's a whole other thing. If they're rude to you, you set boundaries and you enforce them. Now, what does that look like? Sometimes boundaries are very, very hard to set. They're really freaking hard to set, guys. So if your boundary, let's say, is um, uh, you don't you don't want someone to disrespect you. This is very real. Okay, so let's just say you don't want someone to disrespect you. You have to replay something that happened in the past where someone disrespected you and you didn't speak up. So you're going to take that as your story. Now I want you to rewrite it. What would you now want to say to them when they showed you that disrespect? How would you actually respond? What would you say? Now you take that one line. So let's say that person next time says to you, and is disrespectful or rude to you, you're going to practice that line. Because I cannot get out of my own emotions. I'm going to keep saying that. So I need cheat sheets. I need to know in that moment, I either shut down and then beat myself up afterwards and be like, oh my God, I should have said this. How many of you guys do that, right? I should have said this. I should have done that. That just spirals you out of control again. So now I go, what would I have said? And now how can I practice it? So I'm going to keep practicing. I'm going to keep practicing. You have to practice in the mirror. Practice in the freaking mirror. But the next time I go, the next time someone says this to me, I'm going to state these words. And maybe I'm hot, maybe racing, but that doesn't matter. You're just going to say those words. And now you can practice it. And once you start setting a boundary, then you can see how they respond. And then you can rinse and repeat. So now let's say they respond with something you didn't expect and they completely tank your boundaries again and they walk all over your boundaries and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I set the boundary and Lisa told me to set it and now they just rebutted me and now I'm frozen again. Don't beat yourself up. There's no shame. You're just going to take that again. You're going to sit with yourself again and you're going to say the next time someone rebuts this, 
I'm going to say this. Because here's the thing. I hate to say this, and I don't mean it in a triggering way, and I don't mean it for anyone who has been put in a situation where it's maybe physical abuse or you've been brought up in a world where you've been uh, made to believe that someone abusing you is okay. So I want to caveat my answer with saying that first. But the truth is you do teach people how to treat you. And so if that person is rude to you and you say, hey, I'm so sorry, but what did you mean by that when you said that? Because it actually came across rude, and I'm not sure if you meant it like that. You better believe that put someone in their place. It so puts someone in their place because you just bring into light the thing that they're trying to hide. And maybe now they gaslight you and like, that was so good. You're so sensitive, right? How many people know that they're going to they're gonna turn around and say that? Then my rebuttal would be, hmm, maybe I am sensitive. It doesn't feel true to me though. So m- maybe we should ask Joan, Joan, did that feel rude to you? Maybe you don't want to bring other people in. But that's how you keep doing it. You keep rinsing and repeating until you get so damn good at being able to set a boundary that the next time someone comes at you rude, you just say that doesn't fly. Like I, I'm going to give you an example. I had a neighbor. So while I was a staying at home wife, I had a neighbor that was very sexually forward to it. Like he was flirting. And at first I was like, he's married. He knows I'm married. Did I imagine it? Right? How many of us feel like that? First of all, did I imagine that they were flirting with me? So then I was like, let me just take inventory. Now, I know it's not rude, but it's someone crossing a boundary. So that's why I'm bringing up this subject. So then the next time they did it, I'm like, okay, I definitely didn't imagine it. He definitely was flirting. And so now, but I didn't say anything. And I was like, oh God, I think I should have said something. I feel weird that I didn't tell him that I feel like he's in being inappropriate. So the very first thing that I did is I told my husband, because I don't like to keep secrets. I'm like, babe, I think he's flirting with me. And I don't feel good about myself, but I didn't say anything. And he's like, well, do you want me to step in? Be, you know, the, the chivalrous husband that he is. And I said, no, actually, I really want to handle this myself. But I need to process how I make sure that he doesn't cross that boundary again. And he's like, cool, I'm here. If you want me to, you know, step in, I, of course, will, babe. Obviously, if it gets inappropriate, I'm fucking stepping in. But for now, you handle it. So... I wrote out literally a cheat sheet, like I just said, of how I was going to respond next time. And I thought, okay, process it, Lisa. He may gaslight you. He may say, that I was flirting with you. So how do I actually use these words as proof that he'd crossed the boundary? So I wrote a little script for myself and the script goes something like, it went something like this. It was a few years ago, but it went something like this. The words you just said made me feel uncomfortable and made me feel like you were crossing a line. So now you can't freaking gaslight me. I didn't say anything nuanced. It was the words you just said made me feel like you crossed the line. Please do not say that again. It was very clear. It was very concise. I wasn't emotional because imagine my part of me was like, hey, motherfucker, you can't talk to me like that. That's really flirting and you're married and I don't think that that's, a, that's very appropriate. Well, imagine I come at him like that. He then goes, well, she's crazy and then completely dismisses me. That is what a potential co-worker, going back to the question, may do to you. So come up with a script that doesn't allow them an out, quote unquote. And so that is the, that is the phrase I came up with that I felt good about saying that gave him no wiggle room to try and manipulate me and literally he had no rebuttal he was like oh I didn't realize that was making you feel uncomfortable and I said I totally understand that maybe you didn't but please in future do not say these words to me 
boom, that was it. So that is how, my friends, you deal with someone being rude. Again, I know you said rude to others. I honestly don't think. Like, my personality, actually, is to try and stick up for people. Um, and I did do this once recently with a family member where I found one family member being rude to another family member. And I felt like it crossed my boundary. And so I stepped in. And then the person I was sticking up for was very sweet and pulled me aside and said, look, I actually understand you were being very sweet. But they didn't cross. That wasn't my boundary. I didn't feel like they crossed mine. And that was when I was like, it was my boundary they crossed not theirs so you what you perceive as rude don't necessarily think that everybody perceives that as rude i'm going to give i know i'm out of time but i'm going to give one more example my husband for the first time meets my big loud greek family he comes to the house and i'm like god he's gonna love them and it's chaos right i'm very loud Greek family. Everyone's yelling, everyone's shouting, everyone's interrupting each other, everyone's waving their hands all over the place. And we leave, but they totally welcome him. So when we leave, I'm like, oh my God, my husband's going to, he's going to love, he's going to be so amazed by my family. And he turned around to me and he goes, wow, your family's really rude. I was like, what? You thought they were rude? Why did you think they were rude? And he's like, babe, He's like, everyone's yelling at each other. People ask a question, they interrupt you, they cut you off. And I'm like, oh no, that's just how the Greeks are. So even that, I know we did a whole answer about boundaries, but I needed to add that other thing that you may perceive that person as rude. But the way that person is acting, it may they may not perceive themselves as rude. Or if you think they're being rude to someone else, the person you think they're being rude to may not perceive it as rude. We all come with a with a base assumption to things. That if you're yelling, it means that they're rude. If you cut someone off, it means they're rude. Or my base assumption was, we're Greek. That's how we roll. Every Greek does that. And so if you're Greek on Greek, you know you don't think of it as being a disrespect or rude. So also process the base assumption that that person has, the person being rude has, and then you you also know as you start to piece it apart whether they actually know they're being rude and whether they're being snide or not. So that's the last thing that I'll just add. Um, but don't always assume that your perspective is right. I know that that sucks, but I have to remember that. Like, I actually hold that in my head. Don't assume, Lisa, your perspective is right to everybody else. It is your perspective, and then if something doesn't jive with you, based on your perspective, then you set that boundary that doesn't jive with you. Then you articulate that boundary, and then you hold true to it. All right, guys, that is everything for today. I've actually... Um, let me just reach for this. I do have a free, free four-part confidence workshop that if you want to go to, you can get it right now for free. So if you want to build your confidence, if you want to build your confidence, everything we've spoken about, about building your mission, having a mission statement, um, relationships, your confidence to set boundaries, go right now to the fourstepworkshop.com. It is four-part free workshop that you guys can get right now. So go over there, get the free workshop. Guys, I'm showing up for you guys every Thursday. I want to make sure that we're always connecting and always aligned, that I'm hearing what you're concerned about because I even said before, my mission is to absolutely help impact people. And so if I know what you were struggling with, then I can absolutely be able to create more content that helps you guys. Thank you so much for joining. This means so much to me. I appreciate all of you. 